ye. Oh yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Oh yeah. I just uh, if you smell something, I just burn my my grass. <laughs> so my neighbors probably think I'm insane, but uh, you making like a little playground for the kids. I use this torch and um, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I made this playground for the kid with um, the uh, fire pit for me, but um, now that he's a little older, he doesn't really play on the swing that much. There used to be a slide there too. And I used to have a hammock, but it dry rotted. But the grass is growing through it, so I was poisoning it with Roundup. But um, Roundup's expensive, yeah. and uh, and you know causes cancer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and the dog. And it, fuck it, the dog. It doesn't. Yeah. Can fuck with the dog. Not really sure. You know, I usually leave him in for like a day after yeah. I put it out yeah. there, but. Um, it used to last. Like when I was a kid, I'd put Roundup out. Maybe it was just because I was a kid. I felt like it would last like the whole summer. Like the, there was no grass growing. But now, now this shit comes back in a couple of weeks. So uh, I guess they took some of the cancer out of it. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so I just started burning it with my torch. But that torch is like really loud. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can see my neighbors <laughs> see pretty you close. <laughs> you can hear just like boom. Everything ablaze. Just, there is smoke coming up. You know, I'm not gonna start a fire because it's in the rocks. You know, it's just little bits of grass growing in rocks, and it's wet anyway. It's not dry enough to start a fire. But yeah, they they probably think I'm crazy. I was out here for about 20 minutes just blasting the torch. Plus, I like my pit with it. I really, That's I really awesome. uh, recommend one of these Let things, man. Just Holy hook shit. it up to a propane tank, and uh, like for my pit, I don't use any lighter fluid. There's no soaking charcoals. I just pour it in there, especially if you have a fire pit too. Throw some logs in there. Yeah. You want a fire? Hell yeah. Boom. <laughs> Fire's lit. That bitch. You don't spend uh, 30 minutes trying to light the fire. You yeah, know? finding pine needles. Trying to <laughs> yeah. <fuck that. laughs> Conjuring up a fire. Yeah, you go from no fire to fire in five minutes. But that was like that was like the shit back in the day though was like getting all the stuff Working together it, to yeah. build the fire. It made you feel so accomplished when you finally built the fire. Where are you gonna find stuff out here though? Right, exactly. Yeah, in the <laughs> suburbs, right? Not like where we grew up. In my backyard, yeah. Uh, start taking apart the fence. <laughs> but no, I mean I get firewood, but if you just try to light firewood in, you know, a little fire pit like this, it's it's gonna be a chore. By the yeah. time you have a fire lit. Everybody's like going in and going to bed, you know. Right, so, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. The torch, true. the torch puts it into that. Yeah. So what you, uh, so what you working on? What? So, you have a job, right? Yeah. Where you're working in production. Yeah. Like, so uh, I'm a, vi I'm the video production manager at Propel. We do, uh, we produce a podcast. Um, 
I make um, like these mini documentaries for a uh, charity bike. Oh, like they give bikes to kids with special yes. needs. I've watched one of those. It's yeah. really well done. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, I work, I work hard on those. Uh, those are probably my favorite projects, um, just because it's so fucking interesting. Like whenever I got hired on, um, you know, you think like, okay, well, so a kid, you know, a regular kid. Uh, well, why, why don't we just start talking? We're Let's, talking. Oh, we are. <laughs> uh, so like, you know, a regular kid gets gets a bike, right? When they're ten or whatever. Uh-huh. And then a, a special needs kid, they can't they can't ride that bike, so they they get a different bike. Right, that that's how it worked in my brain, but uh-huh. like, in reality, it's so much more than that. You know, like the kids when they when they get these bikes, they start they start sleeping better, they start eating, they start you know building all this strength, and then their uh-huh. their, their personalities begin to change, and it has a really big effect on their lives and on their fan. And then you see on their family's lives, like you see what the mother deals with, you see what the father deals with, you know. Father's working three jobs. Mother's taking care of two special needs kids. She has to quit her job to take care of them full time. Their medical bills are through the roof. You know, it's this whole thing. Right. This whole thing. And that's kind of what I've been discovering through these projects. So who's putting the project on? Like who's uh, funding it or so, um, hiring you? or? So my, my boss, the one who founded the company that I run, Propel Production Studio... He uh-huh. is a serial entrepreneur. He has 10 or so businesses that he uh, has started and continues to operate. Propel is one of them, and he has a um, charity called the McClendon Family Foundation. And they've provided something like 350 bikes to kids with special needs over the past 12 years. Wow. Is this all local? This is, For the most part. Now. Uh, and it's called McKinley? McClendon. 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 That's his okay. name. That's his last name. Um NBC did a, a special on him about five years ago, and, and they started getting big. That's when we started getting big, big donations. And uh, so we have done some international, um, uh, national stuff. Uh, we, we just did one like a month ago in New Jersey. We gave away five bikes at once. Um, but for the most part, these are local. Um, and he funds this project through Propel. Uh, because he was he was doing the videos and he realized it just wasn't you know it's just not working it's a businessman uh-huh. so hire somebody like me to do it and and also through doing that uh, we produce a podcast for him where we talk to different entrepreneurs business people artists etc and then we also have external clients that we're working on getting their podcasts up and running what's that one called uh, his podcast is called uh, the next entrepreneur. It, ha- it hasn't launched yet. We have like okay. 8 to 10 recorded and uh, probably be launching by the end of the year. Awesome. That's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. So I guess the these bikes have to be tailored to like mm-hmm. specific kids or specific, specific needs. Huh? They are built specifically. The These bikes cost an absorbent amount of money uh, between one and $5,000. Um, and they have different things. You know, some of them... Uh, they have things where they disengage the pedals and you can push from behind and you can run as fast as you want. You don't have to worry about the kid, you know, hurting uh-huh. their legs. You can steer from behind on some of them. You know, they all have different custom features depending on the special need of the child uh, so that the caregiver can properly 
operate the bicycle in a way that makes sense. Wow. You know? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And uh yeah, you just learn a lot about about people like in the in this community that you know, I didn't know, you know, like I I think most of us are pretty ignorant to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because like my my kind of my goal with this project is really it's really about awareness to me. Um because you know, anything we ever see about special needs or disabilities or whatever the case it's all very like above the shoulders like numbers and stats type shit it's not you don't really see what what goes into the the life the lives of these people right like yeah like what is it like to live with a child that has special needs that is a specific experience and uh we never really get to see that it's true. I one of my best friends, um, he and his wife adopted um, a baby, and I think at about one and a half they realized he has some very rare disease. Um, so I've watched them uh, go through it. Luckily for this baby, he's got the best parents because my my friends are you know very optimistic people and yeah. they're they're very uh, graded. You, they just they're always in good spirits and the kid is in great spirits all the time so i guess he's about three now but um i could see like having how having access to something that every kid goes through usually getting a bike mm-hmm. even if you're in a poor neighborhood yeah. chances are you get a bike right. by hook or by crook somehow right. you're gonna get a bike right. Or a hand-me-down bike, um, how that's uh, empowering and relieving, and just some normalcy to yes. yeah. everyone involved—the kid and yep. the parents, you know. And, and it gives also, you know, it gives them a, the ability to be included in a lot of things, like a lot of events. Like they can go on, like mar- do marathons. They can go to the park. They can go and and be part of <coughs> the community and not just be like hold up all day. A lot of these kids have very serious, like, physical limitations. They can't walk. Right. Uh, sometimes, you know, can't. a lot of them are nonverbal. You know, so they can't really do much of anything on their own. But when they're on that bike, it's a different thing, right? Now yeah. they can they can go, you know? You know, so it's, it's, uh, That's it's awesome. really fascinating. That me. sounds great. I mean, it sounds like your uh, boss, I, I guess he's your boss. Yeah. Um, sounds like he's... Pretty good guy. I Absolutely. mean, that, that's a, a good thing to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, what, who are y'all interviewing for the podcast? You said different entrepreneurs, um, nationwide or, or local or what? Uh, well, pr- pretty, pretty nationwide. We have, we have guests from Baton Rouge, New Orleans, um, New Jersey, uh, Austin, Dallas. Um. Yeah, we talk to different entrepreneurs, but you know it's interesting because the way we've kind of defined entrepreneurs is a little different than than what you would normally think. It's taken on a more broad definition where like we're talking to people who are doing fundraising. Like we were, we had a uh, we we had a podcast with the lady who runs uh, Autism Speaks for the like the Southern chapter of Autism Speaks. Um, you wouldn't think of that as like an entrepreneur but a lot of the stuff they have to do is sort of in the same vein They're, the goal is different yeah. you the goal is not to make a profit 
The goal is to raise a certain amount of money, pass bills, things like that. But uh-huh. the process is very similar. And then we've talked to artists. Uh, we talked to a guy from um, Russia, this guy who uh, was a, a great painter under communism and escaped communism and uh, became world-renowned for his paintings. Again, wouldn't think about that as an entrepreneur-esque journey, but, you know, this guy was, like, selling his paintings on the street and, you know, hustling and, and, like, making these business moves. And it it takes on kind of a a larger meaning, you know. uh, It's really about people's stories, you know, where they came from, how they got there, where they're going, et cetera. Yeah, and it's going to grow with something like that. Yeah. I mean, you expand what you're covering. This uh, artist, does he have? Is there a documentary about this guy? Because I maybe his I feel like is... I watched a preview on like Netflix about some artist. It was like the I don't know. His name it's is probably uh, not him. But... Zvonimir Mahanovich. I don't know. I'm sure you would know if he had a yeah. documentary on Netflix. Yeah. I don't think so. Cool. So, um, so the bikes that you went to New Jersey, you get yeah, to travel yeah. around. Yeah, I get to travel around. Um, it's pretty cool. We got to go to Newark. Uh, Newark is kind of interesting city. I've been there. Kind yeah, kind of rough city. <laughs> yeah. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, it's fun though. Like it's it's got that kind of uh, it's got that rough feel. You know, it's got that. Uh, New York, kind of New York in the seventies feel to it. Uh, yeah, Newark is a little, it's a little dicey. Um, New Jersey, though, I've been out into the just like country yeah. in New Jersey. Um, my friend took me over to some of her friends' house, and um, like you'd swear you were in yeah, like rural North yes. Louisiana. Like yes. we were just driving through woods. Yeah, forever there was just like deer hunting stuff everywhere you know like, like signs Jersey. you know no hunting on here without a lease yeah 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 i was just like wow this is new jersey but i tell you what i was most impressed with was the way they handle their traffic like there was no traffic none like uh-huh. we were driving we drove on uh, friday at five we drove um we drove in the mornings we drove in the evenings never always traffic flowing 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 you know, they don't, they, they have a, a really well-engineered interstate system there compared to ours. Yeah. New York, too, really. I mean, New York has bad traffic, but mostly the traffic problems I find are, you know, in Manhattan, you know, that yeah. the the system is well-designed and the, the NYPD, like, if you watch them operate, uh, one of the times I was in New York, they had... Uh, it was the United Nations was going on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just watching them. It, this thing was so well organized, you know. It yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't quite like, uh, you know, <laughs> our local uh, right, traffic right. direction around here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and but you're also doing some, some of your own stuff, right? Right, yeah. Um, well, right now I'm in the middle of a fundraiser for uh, my own short film, um, I've been, I've been recently in the past year or so I've been in contact with a couple of different organizations that are uh, trying to raise awareness about depression and suicide and anxiety. These are things that are very important to me. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I'm trying. I'm trying to make short about that that we can kind of uh, just, just use to kind of bring awareness and you know uh, just for my just because to me it's it's an important issue and I don't think it gets talked about enough. And so, are you um, writing? Yeah, directing, I'm writing shooting, and directing all this stuff. Just writing and directing. I have I have a crew assembled okay. to uh, work on it. Um, and that's yeah. awesome. And I've uh, what's the Facebook page for that or? Um, you can donate to it on my page. It's uh, attention. Uh, I have a fundraiser posted on it on my page. Okay, so that's what your personal page. You mean? Yeah, on my personal page. I right. found that uh, whenever for the last short I did, I created a Facebook page for it, but it was really hard. I didn't get hardly any donations because I would have to funnel people from me to that page to the uh -huh. fundraiser. So I just pinned the fundraiser to my page, and I've gotten okay. Uh, we're about halfway to the to the. Uh, I'll put a link for it on okay. the uh, Appreciate it. on the site. Yeah, and you've done a. Have you done a film before? Yeah. Yeah, I, th I thought you had done it. I released a one. I released film. it uh, just before we launched the fundraiser to this, uh, just to let people know that this is legit. It's not a scheme. This is what I do. Uh, uh, I haven't seen that. Where can you? Where can I find that? Uh, I will. Uh, it's on YouTube. Okay. I'll send you a link to it. All right. And it's also on my page as well. What's it called? Traffic Jam. Traffic Jam. All right. Yeah, I remember the name. So uh, tell me about your experience doing that. So did you like um, go to school for this? Did you just yeah get into it? Did you always just do you just love movies? Yeah, all of the above. How old so, are you? Twenty four. Twenty four. All right. So when I was, I believe, fifteen. Uh, I'm gonna get into some shit I really shouldn't, but oh well. Uh, so when I was fifteen, I was I was kind of booted out of high school. For being a bit of a delinquent when I was in in my youth, uh -huh. and uh, I had a lot of free time because what else does a fifteen year old do if they're expelled? Uh -huh. um, so I was watching a lot of movies and and just kind of goofing off. And one day I saw I saw two movies. I saw The Godfather and Raging Bull, and um, I I had always been kind of a fan. You know, I had always I had always liked movies, but not anything nothing serious just sort of in passing but i noticed with these two movies like they were they were doing something like they were the artist was using the movie as a catalyst to project their own emotions or their own thoughts and i was like wow that's really interesting the way and like now i understand how they feel i feel like i know who that is like as a person in a way and uh i was always i always wrote like I, ever since i was like three years old started writing short stories oh Oops. really yeah when i was really young i started writing that's interesting and uh i realized like man they're not only telling their story through the writing but through the visuals through the way they they move the camera and from the way they the, the actors and everything that goes into it yeah and i was like wow this is fascinating and and i just started digging from there i, I get i tend to get obsessed with things uh, I tend to like like when I find something that that interests me, I get obsessed. So I started like digging into this, and uh, yeah, I made up my mind right then and there that that's what I wanted to do, and it has not wavered. I'm since. not much of a reader, but when I was in seventh grade, um, I was a bit of a uh, I guess maybe 
you could say I was a bit of a delinquent as well, but my mom told me I had to read a book uh, in the summer. So she took me to the library, and I, I, uh, I grabbed The Godfather. Oh, seventh, wow. <laughs> like, how old are you in seventh grade? Seven, yeah. 13, wow, 13, 14 yeah. years old? And it's a thick book. Yeah. Um, and that was the first like real book I read. Um, and then I watched the movie, you know, afterwards. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. When, um, do you, are you familiar with Cody? I mean, it's piracy, so it's probably not really yeah, in your yeah. bag. Uh-huh, but yeah. it, it's kind of dead now, as right. far as I know. It but, is, yeah. But when I got it, originally, one of the things I liked about one of the main movie channels they had on Cody was, uh, shit, what was the name of it? I don't remember the name of it. It doesn't matter. But one of the options they had was you could, um, they, you, so they had different criteria. You could search for movies or drill down on movies. It's like categories, I guess. Yeah. And, um, one of them was year and one of them was, um, Academy Award winning film. So I, um, decided i just got curious and decided i'm gonna find where did movies go from freaking you know the i don't know the word for it but sort of the cartoonish version of um movies to the gritty yeah in your face right I can explain actually how that happened. Yeah, me too. Because I went through there <laughs> yeah, and yeah. went year by year and watched the Academy Award winning film. So it's like '65 was it, it's right in line with the music, mm-hmm. basically. '65 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think was like the Sound of Music. Uh-huh. And I don't know what it was after that, but I know by like '67 it was um, another musical, and then like '68 was Urban Cowboy. Yeah. Or no, uh, Midnight Cowboy, right? Yeah, Urban um, Cowboy is 1980. Yeah. yeah, Midnight Cowboy, which is a really dark, mm-hmm. gritty film. Yeah. Um, and then it's like Patton, maybe, and then and then I think The Godfather. So, Godfather. Uh, like, uh, somewhere around there, right? The, right, The yeah. race was 70s, on after that. 70s. Late 70s, early 70s. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the shit out of that. But, yeah. you know, you, you go, you try to watch The Sound of Music from... Yeah, you know that's just well, not my cup of tea. But <laughs> it's interesting because it go. It seems to go in cycles, because the early early days of filmmaking were very rough and gritty. You know, like if you look at like the twenties through the thirties, a lot of those like silent films and stuff, stuff that even today is kind of shocking. You know, in terms of violence. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. But then movies got around like Wizard of Oz. They weren't graphic. No, but they were explicit. They were like, there, there was... It would certainly be taboo by today's standards. Yeah. Um, like, you know, beating women and... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Racist. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got like Birth that. of the Nation and stuff like that. I'm not so much talking. I'm talking about like Nosferatu and uh, okay, Battleship yeah, you... Potemkin. Like, like stuff that was... Um, uh, just, just you know, weird on the edge stuff. Yeah, that Nosferatu stuff. There was clearly no had to studio. Jar some people. Yeah, there was clearly no studio control at that point. Yes. Then around like Wizard of Oz, 
time that it was like 39 is when you start to see the hand of the studio creep in and things got more like became more mainstream for the mainstream audience something you can bring your kids to and stuff like that mm-hmm. gone with the wind things of that nature and then that continues through to the 50s for the most part and then around the, the late 60s is when the studio system collapses uh, and Hollywood kind of breaks down and film sort of decentralizes. And you have filmmakers now in New York. You have filmmakers in, in different parts of the wor- uh, world that are, you know, pushing the, the boundaries. And, and the, the, the producers are letting them because what they've been doing before isn't working anymore. People aren't going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Because uh, of a cultural shift. Because of no a cultural doubt. shift. Those movies are not speaking to them anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, they hand Francis Ford Coppola twenty million dollars and say, you know, go make go make a movie, you know, and he comes back with some weird shit, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but you know, and that and that's what happens, and then you know, from there, from like sixty seven or so till about seventy seven, and then we get Star Wars, and everything changes again, right? Mm-hmm. Then that continues on for thirty forty years, then. And that change, you would say, is what big Netflix. budget. I'd say Netflix. Is no, I mean after Star Star Wars. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, that, like that's when the the blockbuster, budget. Yeah. yeah, Jaws and Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, created the mega blockbuster, and and that continued on for a long, long time. And and Netflix really is the one that has not killed it, but created an alternative, where right. like you know you get on Netflix and there's a lot of weird shit. There's a lot of like just stuff made by some guy. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but it's at least different. You know what I mean? It's not it's not yeah. Black Panther. It's not the same same stuff. Over and are you over. talking about Netflix movies or series or, or both? Both, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know if I've watched a Netflix movie, but um, a series is definitely a game changer. I mean, if you yeah. can develop a character and a story over freaking 60 hours yeah. rather than two hours right. i mean it's just you can't kind of you really can't yeah. compete with that so yeah i'm you know i'm into movies i uh i don't see as many as i would like to i i just don't have time with my uh because i have a little a little boy, and uh, you know he can't watch the movies I want to watch yeah, right, for the most right. part. So now right. I see uh, kids' movies, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which are pretty good. They're so pretty good nowadays, too. Nowadays, some of them are actually pretty They're good. Right. <laughs> the new Toy Story kind of freaked me out. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Freaked him out a little bit. The uh, what do you call it? Uh, like puppets. Uh-huh. You yeah. saw it. Yeah. Um, talking about Toy Story, that movie was surprisingly dark. <laughs> like. Yeah, 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 it was. I mean, don't want to give any spoilers away, but, you know, there was a amateur surgery performed. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Jaws, uh, Jaws is one that one of my favorites, yeah. for sure. Um, so, anyway... So back back to uh, how you got into it, I guess. So I, I got you off track, I think. So you got into watching movies. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that kind of continued for a while. I didn't really have a direction. Um, I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea how to get there, especially, you know, we live in Baton Rouge. 
we had a bit of a film industry at the time. This is before they took away our tax credits. Um, but I had no clear path. So I decided to go to college. Bad idea. Don't go to college. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I went to college for two years. And um, I, def- I, I learned. I definitely learned. It gave me a, uh, a sort of a first step. Like, okay, this is, this is how you start. This is how you build a career. You know, it gave me some experience. My first job filmmaking was literally, I was making 10 bucks an hour shooting the basketball team at BRCC. You know, that's how I started. So, so you know. Uh, Did you know a lot about basketball? No. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I played in middle school. I was pretty good. but You I knew mean, how to follow the action. I knew how to follow the action and, you know, follow the ball. That's all yeah. you got to do. But, um, you know, it's interesting because you always, you think about like your, your heroes and, and whatever, and you, you know, my heroes and, and, and filmmaking, and it's like, you don't think about them in those terms, right? You don't think about them when they first started and they were shooting some crap, but they are. Like, you go back and look at all your heroes, look at what they were doing when they were 18. Like, they were doing, you know, shit work. They were janitors or they were, you know, whatever. Yeah. They didn't start there. So, you know, I left college after two years because I just felt like I was spending a lot of money and not getting anything out of it at that point. Um, and it felt like I had I had one really, really good professor. He really uh, kind of set me on the right course. But it seemed like every, no one else really was in it the way I was in it. They weren't they weren't committed. Um, mm-hmm. So I left and decided and I started freelancing and I freelanced for probably like two years or so um just shooting for whoever would have me a lot of small businesses a lot of weddings and events corporate stuff uh that's a good way to get experience early on Uh get some money in your bank account uh yeah and then you know i worked for a couple like a small television uh station for a little while and uh i've been with propel for about six months and yeah living the dream there you go. I wonder if now, what I was wondering earlier, if now is going to be the golden era or not, because now the 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 entry um, is easier mm-hmm. for everyone. Yes, anyone can make anything. Yes, but that also makes everything so diluted. Exactly. It's hard to stand out. Exactly. Well, it's an inter- it's interesting. It's so interesting because like you have the to me the seventies really are the golden era for me in terms of like just creativity and not giving a fuck, you know. Yeah. But it was the barrier for entry was very high. I mean, if you weren't if you didn't, if your daddy wasn't a Hollywood producer or you didn't meet someone in film school or something like that, man, good luck. Getting your hands on a camera is expensive. Getting film developed is expensive. Yeah, and Baton Rouge, and probably close <sighs> oh, to Oh, yeah, you know, no, you have no shot, right? But well, those Sex Lives and Videotape was made when I was uh, in, uh, I don't know, I was in high school. That, was, that turned out to be a big movie. You're familiar with that one? Yeah, yeah. Shot in the... Bayou. That was a bar uh, I used to hang out in. Uh, Steven Soderbergh. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, 
Um, Somehow he managed to do it, but yeah. yeah. Well, that was the night. That was after Tarantino. Things opened up a lot after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Was that after that? Oh yeah, that was '98. Oh, okay. I want to say. I think, All right. I think it was. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, Back then, you know, you didn't have a shot because I mean, it was so expensive. The equipment was so expensive. You didn't have, you weren't surrounded by other creative people. Now, th- since the internet and since you know, you can go pick up a, a DSLR, Canon DSLR, for like five hundred bucks, and a lens for another two hundred bucks, and start shooting. You know, and uh, that's great. But it also does lead to a lot of saturation. You got a lot of people that don't really know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a belief that, you know, the cream rises to the top. You know, the people that are really good are, are going to get there. So the lower the barrier of entry is the better. You know, there's a lot of saturation, yeah. but I, I think that'll be weed. That, that stuff's going to weed itself out. Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah, I mean, if you're putting out something really good, somebody's going to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. People are going to get to talk about it. But, you know, you see um, videos on YouTube that get 200 million views that are just complete nonsense. So <laughs> That is very discouraging. That I'm not going to lie. That is incredibly discouraging. But what you have to do is realize you're doing something different than what they're doing. Yes. Your audience is different. Your goal is different. Look, the videos that I make for the McClendon Family Foundation are never going to get 200 million views. No. No way. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say never. I mean, they, they could, maybe not that high. You it know, could maybe, go viral. I mean, that's... Maybe like a million. I see some positive, like, uplifting things go... Maybe like a million. Yeah, right? a million's a lot, though. All right, but yes, lot. you're right. But, not 200 million. But it's never going to be, uh, you know, Fortnite uh, <laughs> levels of views. You're not going to get that. I know yeah. that. But, but, and I used to get kind of upset about that, but, like, now I realize, like, you know... This completely different audience. We're going for a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, that's not what you're trying to do. So you have to keep that in mind. Yeah, my son watches these. Um, my son watches these videos that are like, they're basically new school sitcoms where it's a real family, and they like go to the beach one day and. The parents are producing this whole thing. Oh, yeah. And they have, yeah. like, fun yeah. little events they do with yeah. the kids. They're like vlogs, but... And they, yeah, but they sort yeah. of weave in a little bit of a plot, and they um, have some humor in quotes, yeah. you know, humor that, you know, my, my son giggles at it. I mean, he likes it, but he's seven, you know? I mean, it's yeah. not really funny. But I'm I'm looking at it thinking, like... You know, when I was his age, I was watching. Uh, what was I watching? I don't. I don't even know. I was gonna say the Huxtables, maybe the Huxtables or something. You know, Married the Cosby Show. Oh, Married with Children. <laughs> no, that was that was a little bit later, maybe. But um, you know, and it's like I guess this is the new version of that because he has. Yeah. I can tell you, he has no interest in watching like TV shows right. whatsoever. Right. You know. It, yeah. Things. It, so it's. I guess everything is just tailored so much to a specific audience now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
I, I always wonder how much these families are making. I think they're making a lot, a, a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. It annoys me when he's like, so-and-so's, you know, because I'll play with his toys for like, you know, a freaking hour with him. And then I'm like, all right, dad's going to go, you know, watch the news or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't sit on the floor and play like this for any longer. And uh, he's like, so-and-so's dad plays with him all the time. I'm like, who's that? And he's, you know, it's some YouTube family. I'm like, yeah, well, he's making a lot of money, and that's not, <laughs> that's not real. That's, it's TV, <laughs> you know? But anyway. Yeah. So I guess there's just going to, there's going to always be a difference. I'm guessing that there's going to be, and you tell me if you, what you think about this. Eventually, people like you are going to put, movies or shorts or whatever on youtube and those people are then going to get picked up by streaming services like netflix and amazon and eventually promoted up yeah that way that's that's it's already happening that's already what's happening okay that's the model right so kind of what the idea is is like uh you don't have the money to create a feature film because it's expensive. So you can put together a short relatively cheaply. Especially, you know, if you get a high concept idea, something interesting, and, and you get a decent crew together, you can put together something interesting. And that, that sort of becomes your resume, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then whenever you do have, like, a feature script or a feature idea, then you can say, well, hey, you know, look at this short I made that's similar to this. I can do this. I just need the budget to do it. And they go, wow, you know, that short, you got 100,000 views or whatever, and, you know, it was quality, quality work, you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to give you a shot. We'll give you a $20,000 budget to put something together. That That's kind of, that is how you sort of work your way up. Okay. Yeah. I wonder, um, where is uh, CGI in this game? Is, is CGI becoming accessible, mm. or is it... Eventually, it will be. Eventually, CGI is going to be accessible to you or someone like you who only needs to pay 250 bucks or something for um, some software and can make some pretty good CGI, which won't only limit you to making certain types of films, but you might be able to make, you know, something more like some fantasy or some sci-fi or something. It's not there yet, though, I no, guess. No, it's, huh? it's not there yet. It's probably the most expensive thing you'll pay for, honestly. Um, just because CGI artists are expensive, and they take a long time to do what they need to do. And if you cheap out on it, it ruins your whole film. Yeah. Right? Bad CGI, bad bad CGI, CGI ruins terrible. everything. Even pretty good CGI yeah. can, can ruin stuff. Yeah. I mean, it I'm definitely dates a film. I'm not a fan of it. The problem with it is that it dates a film. Yes, it does. You can look at something from not that long ago, and suddenly it kind of looks like shit. You know what I mean? Well, you know, here's the thing. You know, most people don't realize this. Most visual effects in a film are things in the background, details, things you don't even notice. Screen replacements... Uh, What's a screen replacement? So if you're like on your phone or there's a TV on in the back, you replace that screen with what you want to replace it with. Okay. Or 
uh, fixing little, you know, removing little objects that are drawing your eye away from the mm. focal point of the shot, things like that. That is the majority of the visual effects in, in any film, even effects-heavy films. Now, you know, I'm, I'm pretty adamant. Like, I mean, I don't like it. I don't like the, you know, overabundance of it. It, it, it there's just there's a reality to i think i think if if you would watch traffic jam you would kind of get what i'm saying here where there's a there's a certain weight to the actors actually being there there's a certain weight to like the fact that in that short it really is hot and you can tell they are sweating <laughs> like i turned the heater on in that truck they are actually sweating they are actually under tension uh -huh. they're not sitting in an air-conditioned studio with a green screen behind them and we're putting everything in after yeah that would not be effective and and yeah i don't know where i've heard this on some podcast i don't know which one it could have been a major one or it could have been a minor one but i was some people were talking about acting and they were saying how basically you can kind of tell when when someone is told like act you know, like there's a dinosaur ten feet from right. you and is going to eat right. you, and they have nothing to look at. They're they're holding like a uh, yeah. a stick. And yeah, like, this exactly. Is, this is a T Rex, and it's yeah, it's you're kind of hard to you. I mean, recreate that. There's some amazing actors out there that can do it, but you got to be you got to be a De Niro. You got to be a Marlon Brando. You know what I mean? You got to be a a Chris Pratt can't pull it off, right? <laughs> you got to be the top echelon those guys can just change their emotion on a whim it's like us it's a crazy gift they have most people don't have that gift uh yeah you can you can absolutely tell and uh i think it cheapens a lot of stuff i mean it, it's fine it's it's you know martin scorsese actually came under a lot of fire recently for this but i agree with him you know he was talking about how the the marvel films are really more of like a theme park ride and, like, there's nothing wrong with a theme park ride. It's fun, and, you know, I like theme parks. I like roller coasters, but it's not really the same thing, you know? You're not getting that genuine yeah. uh, weight, that genuine emotion. You're just It's just not there. Yeah, so I'm so much older than you. Like, uh, that's interesting to me that you were going back and watching old movies like that. Yeah, well, my, uh, my mom was really, you know, really into movies. And she uh, got me into it. She'd be like, you know, once once I, I... She told me to check out The Godfather. I don't remember why. But for some reason, she told me to check out The Godfather. And, uh, you know, and then she'd be like, oh, well, why don't you watch this one? Why don't you watch that one? And, like, she would give me, like, the, the, the classics, right, from her era. Uh -huh. And then I'd be like, oh, shit. And then I started getting into them. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. You know? Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I went from, my mom was probably the opposite, so I got the uh, Godfather book, and then I watched the Godfather movie, and then I watched Goodfellas, and I fucking love Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas. Goodfellas changed yeah. my, uh, it was my eye-opening movie. I mean, the Godfather was as well, but I had read the book, so there's always right. sort of that, like, oh, they left this part right, out, right. or yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. part out. Um, but I still liked it for sure. I mean, The Godfather is a great movie. Uh, but Goodfellas was the one. So I went on this like long, uh, I guess, spree of gangster movies. Yeah. Um, 
which I didn't like Scarface that much, but then uh, when Tarantino's movies came out, I was uh, I was like, oh, this is my absolute shit. This like is like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And True Romance, I think, yeah. is a really underrated one. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. I don't think he directed it, so he wrote it, it. It doesn't quite have he hates the that uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't quite have the. Uh, style right. you know right but i still love that movie yeah. because i love uh dennis hopper's performance um uh i there's just so many great uh actors in that movie um rapaport is great the hollywood producer is like the perfect yeah imagination of what you imagine a sleazy Hollywood producer would be the fight scene with Gandolfini and the um what is it Patricia Arquette yeah, I guess uh-huh. yeah it's sure. fucking great he's great Gandolfini's great in that movie so yeah I don't know why he would hate that movie but there's some I mean I uh, guess it's his baby and somebody right, they, else directed it but there's some there's some great acting in that movie yeah and it's a good story yeah allegedly they butchered his script in his eyes in his eyes, they butchered it. But I mean, you know, when you when you sell a script, it, it's gone. You know, it's not yours yeah. anymore. Um, but yeah, speaking of Gandolfini, uh, I actually for for having started out on gangster films, only just started The Sopranos like oh, three really? months ago. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm like uh, halfway through season four. Okay. And uh, that's man. where it starts to trail off a little bit. The first yeah. three seasons yeah. of The Sopranos is man. some of my favorite stuff ever. Insane. His mother and Uncle Junior are are just the greatest. I love Uncle Junior. Those characters are so so well written, so well rounded. I know it's so great because it's um it's really like as funny as any comedy yeah. you yeah. could watch. Um but not really a comedy, <laughs> you no, know. No. But yeah. they're just such great characters that they're funny, you know. Yeah. I I really dug Uncle Junior. I think Tony Tony Soprano is such an interesting character to me because I don't know that I've ever seen a more hateable protagonist in a TV show. Yeah. I mean, he is. He really is a piece of shit. He is a complete piece of shit. Like like Walter White was a a fucking maniacal like diabolical bastard but like there was always that little bit of you that that felt for him and that liked him at least for me uh-huh. uh i always like held on to that bit of empathy that they generate at the beginning of the, the series but like tony soprano fuck man he's a murderer he's a racist he's a sexist he's i mean god damn he hates his mother i mean he's just well Justifiably, justifiably so, so but, <laughs> his I mean, mother's God a monster, damn. but yeah, I uh, mean, he is a fucking detestable character. Yeah. Like, like in every way, treats his kids like shit. Yeah, treats his wife like shit. Cheats on her. I mean, like, God he's funny damn. though. Funny goes a long way. Yeah, fu- I think you're right. The funniness <laughs> is what keeps you like a little bit on his side. He's you got know? some good jokes. Yeah, you know? and I, I especially can't when it say... comes to his sister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I feel sympathy for him, but I do feel empathy. Like, like I feel uh-huh. bad for him whenever he, you know, has to kill one of his friends or, or go through something traumatic. I, I feel for him. I don't, I don't sympathize, but I do, I do understand like where he's coming from. So, 
that's that's a hard fucking feat to pull off right there. That's not easy. Yeah, he was a great actor. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was a great idea for a show to begin yeah. with. Um. And then they made what is it called? Analyze this, which is basically the same. Yeah. Story, but a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if that had come out first, I guess it wouldn't be. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Wire? Yes, I watched the wire. I watched the wire live, live as it happened. Yeah, um, that was that was a really eye-opening show for me, like uh, socially, like uh, as far as you know, how fucked up things are from a uh, yeah infrastructure from a. Uh, I know. Um, you know, yeah. That show. It was sort of there's uh there's like sort of a. a I know a lot of people go back and watch it now, so I wonder how they because I wonder how they feel about it because there there was like a technology base that it was like I think yeah it was like the yeah beginning of maybe Flip texting phones. or something yeah. that they were running yeah. the whole thing on it, it probably doesn't hold up I haven't re went went back and rewatched it. I think there was some little far fetched elements to the abilities of what they were doing but maybe not I, I don't know but. Um, it's definitely a little outdated in that regard, but that was a great show, and it was about something different mm-hmm. almost yeah. every season. Yeah, that was great. The season about the great. school system Dude, was was really good. That was rough. That was, season fucked me up. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, and uh, I was so excited when uh, what's his name the the creator was gonna do one about New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, they did for a little while, right? Yeah, uh, Treme. Treme yeah. and uh, and in Treme, um, I know so many people who are in Treme. Yeah, me because, too. Because yeah. um, the main character girl uh-huh. who sings, her band is my were some of my friends, right? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and uh, I wanted to like that show so bad, but I was just kind of like, where? Is there ever going to be a point to this story? Like, I, I wish I, I they would have really watched it. I wish they would have just done the wire based in New Orleans, and I would have, I would yeah. have loved the yeah. shit out of it. But yeah. um, it just kind of never had a story. I, I get now. I get what he's he's doing. He's like he was just trying to be like this. This is like life a documentary, in New Orleans, like, like a documentary style. Sort of like this is what it feels like to live. I guess. In Treme, which is basically, you know, walking distance from the French Quarter and, you know, a lot of musicians and restaurant workers. But it just seemed kind of aimless to me at the end. It was it was pretty it was pretty boring. So I was kind of bummed by that. But, you know, it was good, I guess. You know, I watched the whole thing, so I didn't quit on it. And I I quit on a lot of shows. I'm pretty bad yeah. about that. <laughs> Um, what's the guy's name though? David Simon is that his name? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I was so pumped when I heard that he yeah, was gonna the, do something. That's what's so great about the wire is like, uh, you know, it's Baltimore in the show, but it really could be anywhere. You know, it, it's it's it could be any city. I feel like I know some about Baltimore, but maybe I'm just completely inaccurate. If I met someone from Baltimore, they'd probably be like, you don't know shit about Baltimore. Yeah. But, all right. All right. Um. But, you know, I've never actually been to Baltimore. But uh, great characters in there. And, and some good actors that went on to, to be really good actors. And, I mean, you know, to have really good careers. 
let's see uh what else we got uh well um not gonna say any names but uh right now we're trying to work with a uh an organization that brings awareness to first responders with ptsd so we're trying to we're trying to create a project for that i'm not sure if that's going to be a short like an actual scripted short or a series of like interviews with people who actually have ptsd i I don't know i'm not sure yet i think both can be effective but uh you know that that, that's kind of my thing that's kind of my uh what i've found through doing this is like i really like trying to make a difference you know with my ability here yeah i think uh, sounds like it i think it's important i think i think it can have a massive effect bigger than what people realize there's a difference between me just telling you, you know, that something is going on that's bad versus like actually showing it to you, actually drawing you into that world and, and having you feel it and experience it. I think I think that that has a different effect. For sure. And this is also through um, the same organization mm-hmm. as the uh, the bikes? No, no, this is a different organization. They reached out to me. Okay. Um, if someone is looking to get one of these bikes is there a process where they can like apply um so they can message mcclendon family foundation on facebook and uh can you spell that m-c-l-i-n-d-o-n family foundation and tell us your story and uh we've never not gotten a child a bike so it might take a while probably can get a bike tomorrow but yeah uh, we get bikes that's cool i'm gonna um I'm going to talk to my friend about it. Yeah. Well, I think he listens, so. Um, I think his, his uh, little boy's a perfect candidate. Um, you know, I think he walks around pretty good now, but uh, he had some, I don't know the whole story, so I won't get into it. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know all the details, but he had some sort of groundbreaking experimental therapy that um, really helped him out, but I don't know a specific uh, syndrome or disease or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I enjoy getting to know you. So, I mean, that's some really cool stuff you're doing. Yeah. That's that's kind of why I do this, just because, like, uh, you know, just get to talk to people about stuff, you know, um, that, you know, I see you on a regular basis, but I kind of know what you're up to. Yeah. But I don't get really where you're coming from. Right, right. Until you really talk to somebody. Right, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, I knew you are a good guy, but... Cool, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs>